Welcome to Everyday Evangelism, a new podcast series building up everyday Christians and churches for God's urban mission. Together we'll explore how we can confidently share Jesus in different urban contexts and connect with people on the margins of society. We're so glad you can join us. I'm Jason Roach, Director of Ministries at London City Mission, and I'll be joined by a range of guests for topical discussions, inspiring stories, and practical tips. By God's grace, we can see Jesus Christ known in every community. Today we're thinking about lovingly sharing Jesus with those who God puts in our path. So we're going to think about how we all have a role to play. We're going to think about how we can, with God's help, focus in on the one uh, that God is putting in our path. And hopefully lots of inspiring stories along the way. And to help me, I'm so excited about this episode. Uh, we have two amazing guests. We've got Charlie McDonald, who's uh, our team leader for the Pan London Schools team, and James Tredgett, who's our team leader in Hackney. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to see you. Um, let's start by thinking about the role that we have to play in God's task of making Jesus known. So who wants to kick us off? James. <laughs> role we have to play. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we, there's that little phrase I hear people pray, you know, we, we're God's hands and feet and uh, God doesn't need to use us. Um, but he somehow he delights in using us as, you know, broken vessels. And and, and that, that includes all of us. We're all broken Um but they seem to be the people that God uses. God's predisposed to the kind of the weak and the needy and so that he gets more glory. So I imagine if you're feeling how I normally feel when I'm about to go out and talk to a stranger, you feel a bit down, a bit weak, a bit rubbish, then that's often the best place to be. Um, so yes, it's for everyone. We can all do it. We can all play a part in God's mission. It's not our mission, it's God's. And uh, yeah, it's a privilege to be a part of that. Praise God. Thank you, yeah. Charlie. Absolutely. I don't think there's much more to add to that, but I think, you know, we are, we're all unique, aren't we? And and we do all have a part to play. And I think I often discount myself um, and I'm sure other people do as well. Um, but um, I think I, we have a unique gift mix, don't we, each of us? Um, unique gifts, unique skills, unique likes that God has given us and we can use those, um, you know, in sharing the gospel and in his mission. Yeah, thank you. We all have a unique part to play. And it, it is God's plan, isn't it? I think of um, Matthew 28 and the Great Commission and its authority given to Jesus so that the disciples would go and make disciples and teach them to do everything Jesus commanded, which is to make disciples. So there's kind of, we're all involved in this job of making uh, him known. So look, if we're all involved in our weakness, with the different skills that he's given us, some people might be watching this and thinking, okay, but I've got no idea where to start. So what advice would you give people in terms of how to get started in sharing Jesus? Can I start with you, Charlie? Um, I think I would say it doesn't have to be, you don't have to take great big steps straight away. So um, for myself, I think, God's been challenging me. The first thing to do is just to pray. Mm. So sort of maybe I was challenged recently by a preach that said, when you wake up in the morning, just pray and say, God, um, show me the one person that you want me to reach out to today. Just that one person. And then, um, and then God will show you that one person 
um I think we we live in a really big city, don't we? Nine million people. We're surrounded by crowds all the time. And and so for me, just thinking, okay, one person today, what one person do you want me to either pray for or to stop for? Those are the two things I, I think about. Anything you'd add, James? I, th- I think just just prayer. That's, you know, we need we need to pray. Something, um, it's Billy Graham. And he'd, he'd pray for three things when he was sharing the gospel. We'd say, Lord... Um, open my heart, you know, give me, give me compassion for the people in front of me. Help me to see their need, uh, their need of Jesus. Um, soften my heart as well. So Lord, like open my heart, Lord, open my eyes to see opportunities to take, mm. you know, see, see, you know, not just see opportunities, but make opportunities as well. Try and find a gap or an opening where I can talk about my faith and talk about Jesus and Lord, open my mouth so I say the right stuff, you know, so I can share the truth of who God is, share the gospel in context of that person in front of me. But all three are linked with that prayer. Open my heart, open yeah. my eyes, open my mouth. Um, so I, I love that from Graham. He did well. <laughs> oh, thank you. So how can we, that's the sort of prayer that we can pray as we're entering this space. And you helped us, Charlie, to think about the role that we can have as well, actually, even though in our weakness and so on. And you mentioned to preach. Uh, I was listening recently to Francis Schaeffer's sermon, No Little People. I don't know if you've heard this, but he talks about how Moses used this staff to change the world. And he talks about how God could use this old, inanimate piece of wood to break the heart of Pharaoh. And if he can use a piece of wood to break the heart of kings then he can use us i just thought wow that's just so so encouraging and so just god god can use us in our weaknesses we've said already well you you've mentioned uh, i think you've touched on this thing of reaching out to individuals taking small steps it's quite a biblical thing isn't it reaching out to the one i think of luke 15 and how jesus tells those stories of the the lost coin there's loads of coins but one is lost and someone goes after that one and the the lost sheep again go, going after the one so this is a really biblical thing to look for uh that the one i know that the lord's been speaking to you charlie on this idea of seeing individuals tell us a little bit about that i think um well when, when we read the bible when we look at jesus we see um that that's what he did all the time yeah he he was often surrounded by crowds um but he always stopped for that one person so i mean there's so many examples aren't there the the feeding of the five thousand he's got five thousand really hungry people what does he do he stops to talk to a small boy um you know about his pat lunch or he's in the in a crowd rushing to um heal somebody's daughter and he and he stops to to find out who's touched him the 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 woman who was bleeding mm. had touched him or um he's sort of he's on his way somewhere with crowds of people and he stops and looks up into a tree and sees that one man who's who's watching him and i just i think i'm i'm inspired by that that he was always surrounded or constantly surrounded by crowds but he 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 stopped for those that one person for all those individuals and um so I suppose that's my challenge as I'm often on my way somewhere or you know rushing to work because I might be a little bit late or um go, going to an appointment or picking up the kids from school um and you know when when do I stop yeah you know? um yeah, yeah. so um 
Yeah. So yeah, he he stopped for the one, didn't he? And 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 he and he um, it's us as well, isn't it? Like our relationship with God is about a personal relationship. So he's in. If we're talking about the lost sheep and the lost coin, we are that lost coin and that lost sheep. We know what it is to be the one that God found, searched for, and found. So we're kind of just mimicking what God has already done for us. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Thank you. Would you add anything to that? Just how the Bible encourages us to care for individuals? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 th- I think we can put ourselves down. We talk about being like in an individualistic society where the focus is too much on the individual, the, the one, the person. But it's, I think it's, it's deeply biblical. And yeah, it's right. You know, God, God's, you know, he's concerned with nations, with people. You know, the Great Commission, go, you know, every tribe, tongue and nation. Uh, but those tribes, tongues and nations are made up of individuals. And when you see conversion, like mass conversion revival, it starts with a one-to-one gospel conversation and it just spreads. So yeah, I, th- I think it's it's so important, eternally important, the value of the lost soul, just one and soul. It's striking, isn't it, how the, the, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the, the lost son yeah. is followed by Luke 16 and yeah well, yeah well this is it you, got, you have to tell you get a balance with God you know you have the beautiful picture yeah. of God's grace mm. in Luke 15 and then you have the, the, the again the terrifying picture of God's wrath in Luke 16 mm. and it's like all theology you've got to get a balance Jesus is fully man fully God if you emphasize one too much you get into trouble but um it's, it's getting that balance of God God calls people to himself like he's that C.S. Lewis quote he's good but he's not safe you know and it's this um that's that's the God we're dealing with. Like, man, he's he's worthy to be praised. He is holy. He's perfect. He's 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 powerful. But he 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 condescends. He comes to us, and and let's not take that for granted. Let's make make him known while we while we can. Um, yeah. So this God who has condescended, he's he's made himself um, a man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> who who who's taken on human flesh so he can get to know us he's um come for the one like like you said uh charlie how do we value the one like him in our everyday lives how do we actually do that what does it look like um yeah i think god has been talking to me about this recently um i think you know living in london we you know nine million people often surrounded by lots and lots of people, whether we're, you know, on the bus or um, in parks or like James was saying, you know, even where we live, you know, just mm. blocks of, of full of people everywhere. And um, I think it's easy sometimes, isn't it, to see people as sort of just a mass. Um, and so, um, yeah, God's been talking to me about um, stopping and and connecting with that one person mm. during the day. Um, whoever that might be. And it might be as simple as um, on my cycle ride into work, annoyingly a red light will come up for a pedestrian crossing. And because I'm a good cyclist, I stop at that red light. And um, and and, the, and, a, and a lady walks in front of me. I live in um, Bethnal Green, so I often cycle through Whitechapel. Um, there's lots of... Um, uh, Bangladeshi people, um, Muslim people there, and uh, Muslims there, and I, and so I remember I stopped, and a Muslim lady crossed the road in front of me with her little boy skipping and jumping, holding her hand, and I just thought I'm going to pray for that lady. Now I, 
I, so I prayed for her. I prayed, you know, God, would you bless this lady? I don't know her name, but you do. Will you bless this lady? Will you bless her little boy? I pray that he will go to a school where, you know, Christianity is taught well, where he will hear the gospel, give him Christian friends. And I just, I just pray for him. Yeah. And I don't know what God will do with that prayer, but yeah. I know that I prayed for that one person mm. and my prayers are powerful Amen. and effective. So, um, so I think that challenge of whenever I stop, even if I'm forced to stop by a red light or by, um, I don't know, by a tube waiting in the tunnel, I look around me, I think, okay, who's that one person I can pray for? And out of that prayer might come a conversation, you know, it might be that, um, you know, it, it becomes more than a prayer. Um, but a prayer is is powerful in itself. So, yeah, that I think that's what God's sort of challenging me to do as well. And in terms of the one too, I think um, I live um, at the end of my road. There's a a, a block that used to be um, house students for student accommodation, but in the last three or four years, it's been used to house asylum seeking families. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and when they every when they first moved in. Um, everyone in my block, which is next to that block, were, were a bit like, oh, goodness, now it's full of this block is full of people we don't know, people who are going to be whose children are going to be going to our schools and going to be sort of filling up the doctor's waiting lists and the dentist, you know, and, and, I, and I could relate to that. I understood. But um, uh, my church started reaching into the um, into the block with uh, offering football clubs and um, different things. And I got to know some of the families. So instead of um, me just visualizing this block full of people at the end of, full of asylum seekers at the end of my road, I got to know, to know individual, I got to know families and individuals and I got to know their names. Um, and, you know, and now they, they come in and, you know, one little boy came the other day, wanted his glasses fixed. He didn't have a screwdriver, so we did that. Um, group of boys often come and ask me to pump up their football. Well, there's a little girl who likes to come and stroke my dog. Um, <laughs> so I think, you know, then those names become people that I can pray for. Brilliant. Thank you so much for sharing. And uh, have you got any stories to share, James, just of how looking out for the one has has worked out practically Looking after the one has worked out practically. Um, I, I feel like that's my ministry. Like that's just, <laughs> where do I begin? Um, practically. That's why we got you on the podcast. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, 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 okay, you were so, the one that was chosen. Yeah, see, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so this is, this is why I love door knocking. Because I, I, often it can, as, as you share, like it's a nightmare in London trying to stop and talk to people. I remember falling off my bike a couple of years ago, just kind of like splattered in the middle of the road and people just walk past. Yes, that happens like, to my That's just normal London, that is fine. So, it, so it can be hard to talk to people. But, um, but I think if you're intentional doing what we do at London City Mission, going out, knocking on doors, like you, you can find plenty of ones who, who are just alone. No one visits them. Maybe they have a carer, maybe, maybe they don't. And I, th I think a load of stories where that has been the case. I've knocked on someone's door, especially since COVID. There are still people who haven't left their house since March 2020. Like, it's insane. People yeah. are just terrified. They don't want to go out. Yeah. And so, again, you, you can f there are plenty of ones out there. you just got to be you just got to be active in finding them sometimes. And, man, these people are so grateful to just have someone else in their life, um, you know, and, and sharing the gospel off the back of that. Yeah. Um, so... 
And yeah. that, in, when you're saying knocking on doors, it, it can sound like a frightening thing, but you, you're really just it, just knocking on a door and inviting people yeah. to get to know the local church, and yeah. you know, just introducing them yeah. uh, to you know, saying you're there for them, sort of thing, isn't it? And yes, yeah, that's uh, and, and that makes door knocking far less scary. I'm not banging on the door and saying you need to turn or burn. I'm saying like, man, I'm part of your community. I represent this church. Like, yeah. man, we'd love to get to know you. You're part of us. Can, is there anything we could do for you? You know, I knock on ninety nine doors and one door opens up and they're responsive and they want to talk about God like it's so worth it I never walk you know I never go home from a day like that thinking what a waste I think man that's so worth it like it just makes an impact and I've seen just many people just come to church they start attending church they didn't know there was a church that met in that old building they thought it was a museum they didn't yeah. and, and again like it's a privilege to be used by God in that way, but at the same time, it's not—it's not too hard. You don't have to overthink it. Just, just be open and honest with people. A lot of people are lonely in London, yeah. You know, and it's like, man, we can make such a difference. We have, you know, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Like we've got something special to share, and we have a love that drives us. Like, and again, that spoke volumes during lockdown. I remember visiting like Muslim guys that I knew. The mosque yeah. wouldn't help them. But like, and then they see this, this, you know, this bloke from the church coming along and he's helping them. Like, I'm, I'm trying to help them. I'm, yeah. you know, getting their medication, getting their food, all this stuff like that. And it's like, it, it just speaks so powerfully to people. All the people that you bump into in your life, the Amazon delivery driver who knocks on your door, you know, the, the, the scam caller that phones you up, just the random people we bump into. Like there's, these are people made in God's image. These are people that have that, you know, that propensity to believe and have their eternal destinations changed. And there's this amazing quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, there's no ordinary people. He says it in the weight of glory. So, we are all immortal with a heartbeat that fails us physically on earth, but carries on into eternity. Well. And I think it's just having that mindset of everyone I talk to, like this isn't, perhaps I'm put here for such a time as this, to speak to this person. This may be the only person who's ever going to meet a Christian. And I'm that Christian. Like, do I, do I see the potential here for this conversation, for reaching this one in front of me? Um, and that's a real challenge to me. Praise the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> and Charlie. Yeah, I was uh, the other day, well, a month or so ago now, I was, uh, we ran out of milk at breakfast. Um, so I ran to the co-op and I was in a rush because everyone, I've got four children they were all hungry. They were all wanting milk for their cereal. And I was in a bit of a rush. I think I've just got to go to co-op, get the milk and come out. And on my way in the door, um, someone said to me, uh, do you have a quid? And I was like, in my head, I was thinking, I do have a quid, but I really don't want to stop because I've got to go and get the milk and get back for the children. Um, but I decided at that moment I would stop and I would talk um, to the person who'd asked me for that quid. So I stopped. I said, I do have a quid. Um here you go. And I gave, gave him the money and then we, and I asked him his name and we started talking and, um, it, it turned out that he just was blown away by the fact that I'd asked him his name, mm. blown away by the fact that I was interested. I didn't, I stopped, I gave him the money, but I also just wanted to know if he was okay and what his name was. And he started crying and he told me some of his story. Um, and I, yeah, it was, it was, it was amazing. It was a privilege to be there talking to him. But then he, I said to him, you know, what is the next step? What, you know, he was homeless. He didn't have anywhere. So I said, why don't you go to um, our doctors at the end of our road um, today and see if you can find somebody that will help you? And he said, I've been meaning to go for weeks, but I've just not, mm. not got around to it. And I've just not had the courage. But I think he said that you talking to me now has made me want to go. So um, i I did offer to pray for him and I did pray for him 
actually went and co-op and got him a bag of donuts as well. And then I bought my milk and I went home. And later that day, um, I've got a friend who works at that GP surgery and she texted me and she said, um, I won't say his name now, but this man, he, he came in and he was looking for help and I was able to help him and we've managed to find him some temporary accommodation um, somewhere else in the borough. And it just, and he'd mentioned me um, mm. as a sort of, he said, you know, I spoke to this this woman, Charlie, I think she was like an angel. Oh, I'm clearly not an angel, especially <laughs> not that early in the morning when I'm running to buy milk, <laughs> really not. But just that, that stopping, asking his name, um, having that little conversation, it just propelled him into this, this, um, this journey that he might not otherwise have gone on. And so I think for me, you just don't know what small part you might play in someone's journey for such a time as this, mm. you know, like mm. James was saying, you know, you're that, you could be that one small cog in someone's journey mm. of, um, of sort of sorting themselves out um, physically, but also, you know, feeling loved and you know I was able to pray for him and actually we're still in contact because he still is often outside the co-op and we have conversations and things so it's an ongoing journey and I'm still playing a little part in that um, but it all started by making that mental decision not to rush past yeah. and the kids were really cross when I got back because they, <laughs> they were hungry <laughs> praise God praise God <laughs> And there's something here. So we're, we're talking about how we focus in on individuals. Um, how do we begin to measure success in a in a better kind of way? That that, that means that focusing on the one, we recognise the significance of that. Charlie, tell us how the law's been helping you think about measuring success. Yeah, um, I think um, I think for me it's been a, a constant. Um, all through my ministry, God's been constantly having to bring me back to um, realizing that I'm some, that I will often measure success in the wrong way. So, um, twenty years ago, which is a long time ago now, um, uh, I s set up my first kids' club in West Ham for um, non-church children um, on the estates around um, the station there, and. Um, we spent a long time as a church planning and um, preparing for this uh, kids club to happen uh, during the ha October half term. And it uh, put a lot of prayer in, uh, made flyers, distributed them, uh, knocked on a few doors, um, you know, really excited about how amazing this kids club was going to be. Um, and on that first afternoon <laughs> of half term, one, one boy came, one <laughs> nine year old boy came. Um, and, uh, and and we were kind of a team there, a whole team of like six people maybe. We had all the games set up, all the music, and um, and we sort of looked at each other. And I was like, well, well, should we just go home then? <laughs> you know, that's what that's <laughs> what my heart was. We'll just go home. Then. Only one person's turned up. Luckily, or thankfully, praise God, my church leader had a very different attitude. He was like, one person's come. We're going to run this kids' club. So we did. <laughs> it was amazing. We ran it just for that one boy. And he absolutely loved it. He had the best time. Um, and uh, and the next day, um, he came back and he brought his friends. And the next day, they came back and brought their friends. So, um, you know, if we're measuring success in terms of numbers, there was a success at the end. But okay. what? But the the success for me was that God really challenged me that that doing that kids club for that one boy mm. was worth it. It really was. Um, you know that opportunity to show him that he was valued, 
that he was loved, that actually, even though it was just him, we still wanted to do it. Um, uh, yeah, it was great. And the opportunity to share the gospel with him too. Um, yeah, it was, was brilliant. So, um, yeah, and that kids club went on to, um, you know, it ran for a year and actually there was a church that kind of became, that was sort of planted out of that kids club as well with some of the families that we reached through it. So I, I sort of think, you know, God did great things with that kids club but I, I do feel like it was almost like he did a bigger work in my heart um helping me to value that one person that one small boy um and then I think probably he's been constantly reminding me of that ever since as I constantly go oh but we don't have very many people here and I'm measuring things by the numbers um and actually keeps keeps saying actually just value that one person value that one person which reminds me of a a story of a starfish that, <laughs> oh, okay. that so James, smooth, smooth transition. That James, tell us about that that story that you you told to some of us uh, within the yeah. organisation a little while ago. It's a bit of a random one. I, I was meeting up with a pastor, and he was this was in Ipswich, and I was talking. We were just talking about ministry, and he was just saying it, it feels like it's been slow going. It seems like there've been a lot of people leaving church, but there there are one or two that are coming in, and people that have been saved and. And then he, he proceeded to tell me this random story. And uh, it goes like this. So there's, there's a child on the beach and um, walking on the beach after a very stormy night. And um, they notice on the floor, there's thousands of these starfish that have just been scattered and they've been washed up on the, on the shore after the stormy night. And the child wants to make a difference. And so starts picking up one starfish at a time and throwing it back in the water. And it's, it's kind of backbreaking work. And it's, you know, it's going to be a long time. And uh, and an elderly person notices this and uh, walks up to the child and starts grumbling and saying, look how many starfish there are. This is, this is pointless what you're doing. There's thousands of them. You know, you're, you're never going to make an impact. You're never going to make a difference. Um, you need to just give up. And the child you know, acknowledges that, looks down, picks up a starfish, throws it back in the water and says, well, it made a difference to that one. You know, it made an impact to that one. And, and, and that's that's how we that's that, that kind of drives me in my ministry of just trying to talk to one person at a time, having one gospel conversation at a time. Like it makes a difference with with one person. And I guess numbers aren't everything, but God can use those ones and those twos. He built the church on you know twelve apostles, and now look at us. There's millions and billions of us. Like if God can use them, He can use us. Yeah. Thanks for sharing, James. It's such a powerful story. <laughs> uh, we're going to um, watch a short uh, story now. This is uh, one of our missionaries in Northwest London, Joseph Pandian, and it's a story about how he invited someone to church, one single man into church for a coffee morning, and that started a journey of friendship and discipleship. So let's cross over to that story now. Hi, my name is Joseph Pandian. I work as a missionary in London City Mission. I work among the uh, South Asian diaspora community in Harrow. And yeah, that's me. Um, a little kindness shown to someone will make a huge difference. That's what I believe. Kindness is something, you know, we all uh, should have in our heart as we see in Galatians 5. It speaks about the um, uh, gift of uh, the Holy Spirit. I love uh, speaking to strangers to show my kindness and uh, reveal, you know, the glory of Jesus in me. I'll tell you, you know, I worship at Rhinos Lane Baptist Church and we have coffee morning on every Saturday. And one of the coffee mornings, um, 
I was prompted to go out and invite uh, people, strangers. Um, I was looking at a man, I could see sorrow in his face. He was a bit worried and uh, God prompted me to invite him uh, into the church. And I said, brother, why don't you come in for a coffee? He gladly accepted my invitation and just walked in and he enjoyed a cup of coffee and biscuits. And he asked me, why did you invite me into the church? And he was telling, in my lifetime, I've never been invited into a church by anyone. I'm so glad, brother. And he was so relieved. I could see the joy in his face when he walked into the church and enjoyed that cup of coffee. He had burdens in his heart. He was feeling lonely. And when he walked into the church, he felt that there is someone to care for him. He felt that, you know, the church is inviting him and he felt that Jesus is there in his life. He's from India and in our church we have a Tamil prayer fellowship and we meet every Friday evenings. And he started coming to the church. I gifted him uh, with the Bible and he started, you know, coming regularly to the prayer fellowship and uh, we are discipling him and uh, he has now accepted Jesus Christ as his personal savior and um, he's still in the process of discipling, a long way to go and I'm sure he will uh, come to a point where he will uh, be baptized and proclaiming Jesus as his personal savior uh, one day soon. Yeah. One of the commands Jesus said you know, in Matthew chapter 25, verse 40, Jesus says, um, whatever you do for one of the least of these, uh, you are doing it for me. Um, so that, that, that verse, you know, makes me happy that I have invited this man into the church and made him uh, happy and joyful. You know, little thing, little kindness made a huge difference in the life of uh, Patrick who walked in. It is not always uh, comfortable for us to go out and speak to someone about Jesus uh, but Jesus had been to places where he didn't feel comfortable he always you know walking around and visiting villages and everywhere he had troubles and uh, problems he was not at all in his comfort zone so he expects us to come out of our comfort zone with a faith in him um, when we come out in faith in Jesus, we will get all the wisdom and knowledge and the protection from the power of the whole, through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what I trust. And we may not see the results immediately, but I'm sure definitely one day, you know, we just put the seeds in the community. We have the confidence that the Spirit of the Lord will work and the seed will grow one day and it will give fruit uh, for, for, the, you know, for building the kingdom of God in this um, world you know, for which we are called for. That's what, you know, that this is one of the small parts we are doing by doing this. Yeah. I'm sure in London there are, there are thousands of people like Patrick. Uh, we should look out and pull them into the church so that, you know, they feel... Uh, the, the the joy of uh, being in the, you know adopted into the family of Jesus.
So in that uh, incredible video, it's powerful, isn't it? In that incredible uh, video or audio, if you're listening on audio, um, Joseph talks about seeing sorrow in the face of the person that he uh, identified just outside of Rainer's Lane Baptist Church. There's something there about discerning where people are at. Um, it's important, isn't it, to try and work out where people are coming from. Um, can you say something about that, Charlie? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can. I think I'm I'm not very good at that. <laughs> I think some some people are, uh, naturally uh, have a lot of empathy, don't they? They they can discern. That. I, I know Joseph. He is definitely like that. Every time I see him, he you know looks me right in the eyes and, <laughs> and says, you know, how are you? And I can't lie. Um, and you know he can he can sort of pick up on my moods but I, I'm not particularly good at that mm. I have to say and I think um you know so that for me it's like saying God will you help me yeah will you help me to see where people are at will you help me to um it's the stopping again I suppose to stop and take the time to really look and see and not um not like sort of make judgments or um you know misunderstand maybe where someone's coming from yeah 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 um yeah i do think to that james yeah i i think i think from my background i've been a christian just over 10 years now and just from what i was saved from um you know i was really in the the pits you know was, i'd come out of the army and then just got involved in drink and drugs and other stuff and just really really blew it big time but just just realizing there's other people in that situation and that they, they would hide it really well yeah people people are so good at hiding stuff um so good and uh it's, it's just kind of knowing that that there are people out there who are going through some of the stuff that i was going through but without the hope that i have now and that's one of the big things that drives me and, and we're all you know we're all made in god's image we all live in god's world and we're, we're so good at suppressing it mm. you know like like paul says in romans one but yeah, it's just, just hanging on to that, that, you know, whoever I talk to, um, there's something there. There's like a little ember, a kind of divine ember that can just be, you know, you can you blow on it as you as you talk to them. Um, and thinking about that divine ember, you're saying that actually people are maybe more receptive to uh, hearing about Jesus than we might think they are, because, because there is something in them that they're suppressing. But even in your experience, more people might be interested than... Than we sometimes think is that is that fair is that your experience yeah definitely definitely like and again doing doing mission work for nearly 10 years and um you know i've never been like assaulted or anything like that i had one like one old irish catholic man with a bony finger and he'd point me as i started speaking to him i've had some people rip up tracks and things and and but that that is it people have been so friendly and maybe it helps being like six foot three nine, <laughs> 19 stone or whatever but you see what i'm saying like it there, there's so much freedom and there's there's I think people are just asking more and more questions as they live in the world. Like, especially since COVID, people are kind of reminded of, of death and, and like, it's, you can't just, you know, it's not like buying a new iPhone where you can just kind of avoid it. You just keep upgrading your life. You're going to die one day. Like, mm. you can, people are confronted with that again. And yeah, I, I think people are just a lot more open, a lot more open. And, and as we live out our faith, people become more trusting of what we've got to say. It's not just another advert. It's not just another religion. Like this, this, this guy, he's got a different life. Like, and there's been loads of stories where people have said that. Like, what makes you different? What makes you, um, yeah. So, 
I think that I think people are more receptive. Uh, I mean, I was in uh, Southall just recently, and um, I was praying before Lord, give give me opportunities here, and I just I just I just felt like Lord, I, I, I'm just going to go up to the bus stop and start speaking to people at the bus stop. And um, the first person I went up to was like, oh, my name's Jason, da, da, da. And, and I was I was feeling a bit nervous, and, and the guy just said to me. Get on with it, mate. What are you what are you trying to say? <laughs> I said, okay, I just wanted to talk to you about yeah how you felt about Jesus, and we just immediately got into a conversation, and it it was just so so funny that he was having to draw me out. It was just like get on with it. Like I want to have a I'm happy to have a conversation with you, and then my confidence had gone up a bit, and I spoke to the next person who happened to be Sikh, you know, had a turban on and so on, and he was just like, yeah, thanks for having a conversation with me like i've 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 only moved here recently and the thing that strikes me is that no one wants to talk no one talks to anyone mm, yeah. and you know i was just my assumption that actually he wouldn't want to talk to me was far different from what was actually going on in his world and in his heart and uh, it feels like a lot of the time the battle's in me to recognize actually people might be more I, i'm the one limiting the conversation rather than them i don't know if you'd add anything to that charlie yeah, I think so. I think it comes back to um, we all have a part to play. So we all have our unique something to bring. Yeah. So James talked about his background, you know, and mm. how that then, um, you know, spurs him and influences him in the way he um, interacts with people or, or the things he might want to say. And I think, you know, whatever stage of life we're at, whatever our background, we we all have we, we've all got something that we can um, that we can bring to people and connect to different people in different ways. So Joseph, you know, standing outside, you know, it's, it's a coffee morning, you know, and, yeah. you know, he didn't need to be standing outside inviting people in, but he did. And so I think wherever we are, we, you know, we we can sort of connect with the people that are there, can't we? I, I remember yeah. when I was, um, my children were very young. I had a couple at school and a couple in buggies and uh, sort of just walking to and from school. And I remember my church leader at the time in a preach said, you know, even if you're walking to and from school with your children, you know, you are that light shining in, mm. in a dark place and you have a part to play. And it just really made me sort of look around me differently. You know, I, I was, I was, you know, there with my buggy and my children, but there were still people I could connect to and interact with uh, in, in that stage of my life. You know, in, in actual fact, it's a very fruitful stage of life, isn't it? Yeah. At that time when your children are very small. Um, so, yeah, I think. And I, I love what you're saying about the, um, we all got a part to play with the coffee morning because, because, we're not saying that everyone needs to be like Joseph. No. You know, there would have been people making the coffee inside yes. the coffee morning and probably never would have come out onto the street or those who were sitting on the table willing to have conversations when people came in. Yeah, it's very simple, so, isn't it, a coffee yeah. morning? Um, but but this guy, you know, walking past, he he wanted to come in yeah. and, and, and have a coffee. And if Joseph hadn't asked him... Yeah, he wouldn't have. He, he never would have done. Um, you know, so I think... Yeah. Well, no, I was just going to say, just building on exactly that point, Joseph stepping out of his comfort zone to ask uh, that man, um, <laughs> I guess the question is, um, have you got experience? I know you have, because this is what we're about as London City Mission, <laughs> of stepping outside of your comfort zone uh, and sensing God alongside you as you've done that, as you've stepped outside of your comfort zone. You got an example you could share with us of that, James? Yeah, um, 
Yeah, again, loads. It's it's always uncomfortable, like doing out. You know, talking to strangers is always a bit weird, like especially in Britain. Like it's it's it's, it's hard, <laughs> but but again, it's, it's worth it. I think of um, you know, what what have I got to lose and what have they got to gain? That's that's another thing that just drives me. But I think of one example of um, a lady when I used to work in Vauxhall, a lady I met through door knocking. Um, and again, I, I was quite new into the mission. I'd only been there for like a year. Or year and a half I think and I'd met her and, and she opened the door and um, she had you know where you have like the cucumbers on your eyes the face mask yeah yeah it's called she just like peeled one of them off and she was like what do you want <laughs> um, and I was like oh man like okay it's, you know there's already differences in you know, you're, you're, you're a girl I'm a boy like you know this is all a bit weird but I kind of I pushed through it and um, started talking and and on that doorstep, we had a conversation for like nearly an hour, just talking about, you know, heaven and hell and, and how we get right with God and blah, blah, blah. And then she started coming to Bible studies and then she started coming to church and then, and then she got saved, then she got baptized and she brought all her family to church. And it was incredible how it started from that. And this was years ago. So it started with a really awkward conversation of me feeling really uncomfortable, probably her feeling uncomfortable. You know, who's this bloke knocking on my door? Like, I'm just trying to you know, relax or whatever in a, you know, and it's just amazing how God can use that. Um, and there's just been so many situations like that. And if anything, it's the opposite. When I feel like I'm most comfortable, it seems to be very little that comes of that. Like, it's just, mm, it's true. yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it works, but um, yeah, God can use those awkward, uncomfortable moments. Goodness yeah. me. Yeah. Thank you for that example, Charlie. <laughs> can you follow that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, um, it's 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 uncomfortable in in a different way possibly so um i li i live in a in a block of flats and um this is about 6 years ago now and there was a lady in the block who just used to really annoy me she'd yeah. be always on her balcony shouting at people on the street and shouting at her kids and and i felt god really challenged me about my attitude towards her you know that um you know i wasn't really well, i wasn't loving her at all it was quite the opposite um I found her so annoying and um, I felt God um, challenged me to invite her and her children to a football club at our church and um, I didn't want to do it. I felt really uncomfortable. I was like, I don't want this woman to go to the football <laughs> club at our church. Um, uh, but um, yeah, he just kept challenging me. In the end, I went up and I, I knocked on her door and, um, and I said, um, you know, we're running this football club in the Easter holidays. Would you and your children like to come? And she said, oh, um, she was actually really really pleased to be invited to the football club she was over the moon she was so excited about it that she not only signed up all her boys to the football club but she also took me throughout the whole block because she knew everybody in the block that I didn't know and we knocked on everybody's door that had children and she with me invited them all to the football club so we had the most amazing football club uh, with lots of children and that was the very beginning of my uh, friendship with um with this lady and um and I can honestly say God changed my heart over the weeks and the months and the years. And it was uncomfortable because he showed me what I was like here inside. And he taught me, you know, how much he loves her. And then I and I end up loving her as well. We're really good friends. She calls me her posh friend. <laughs> She's like, this is Charlie. She's my posh friend. She had a bugaboo. She used to go on all about me having a bugaboo buggy. But um, yeah, and, and, and now we have a, uh, uh, yeah, she is one of my best friends. Wow. She really is. And she has, she comes to church, not every week. Her boys come along, have come along to the kids club and things. But I just, I think, you know, for me, my, the uncomfortable, for me was that I didn't want I didn't 
I didn't really like her. I, I'd miss, um, misunderstood who she was. Mm. I had preconceived ideas. I, I was judging her by my own standards. Yeah. And when I got to know her, I realised how wrong I was. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that was very uncomfortable. So, so that story reminds me of Acts chapter 10, where, uh, as I often say, God, God seems to expand his kingdom, his kingdom by expanding our horizons. Yes. And he expanded Peter's vision for who, who could be in his kingdom. He went be, beyond his comfort zone. And yet the Holy Spirit had already, already gone before him to, to soften the heart of Cornelius. And it sounds sort of really similar to that story that yeah. you shared. Yeah, I think so. I think that's the dangerous thing about praying, isn't it? When because I think when we when we pray about things, God often um, starts with changing us. Yeah. Maybe before he starts changing, because I had prayed, "Oh, Lord, you know she's really annoying me. Will you stop her shouting over the balcony? Will you, you know this?" <laughs> kind of. Little I did find, you know. I find it so difficult. Little did I know that God was like, "Yeah, I'm going to sort this out, but it's going to start with you." You know, you and so, yeah, that's uh, yeah, it, yeah. It's that that's my challenge <laughs> well look we're, we're, we're coming towards the end and i'd love you uh to think about the next step that you'd encourage people who'd listen to this um podcast to take what, what would be the one thing you might encourage them to to do as a next step and i i already know that james you you, you might have two <laughs> i'm allowed to but Wait, stick one <laughs> but one, one would be good <laughs> yeah i i, I Hopefully it's not too hard to do. It's the easiest and the hardest thing to do, but to, to just revel in the gospel, just you know, get get captured by that vision of of Christ leaving, you know, the the security and the comfort and the glory of like of heaven, and then coming to earth for us. And it's like that's such a huge challenge for me. Where how can I leave my comfort zone? If I'm meant to imitate Christ, how can I do that? But just seeing that He did that for me, seeing His just His immense love for me, like that that should you know enlarge my heart and my, my love for other people and it's it's i think it boils down to that we, we can kind of give reasons or excuses and and for why we don't share our faith you know the, the late tim keller he'd say you know we, we we all need to do it regardless of our time our temperament or our training and and it's it's a challenge but i think that the driving factor should be should be love it's it's um there's another quote from a couple of atheists. Uh, it's always stuck with me. They're magicians in America. They're called Penn and Teller. I don't know if yeah, you've heard, yeah, of heard of them. Quite famous guys. And um, but also, I think they're staunch atheists. But but they they say this really challenging thing of um, you know, if if I was a Christian, uh, they say if I was a Christian and I really believed in an afterlife in heaven and hell, and I believed that I had the one true path to getting there. How much do I have to hate people to not tell them about that? Mm. How much do I have to hate people to not tell them about that? And again, that's that's something that's always challenged me. Like I need to be just reveling the gospel. The more I get, you know, I see God's love for me, and then the more that kind of changes my life through the work of the Spirit. The the the, the more I I naturally just want to talk to people. Like this is one. This is on my heart. Like every you know, the gospel is it's on it's on the tip of my tongue. It's not just something I have to recall to mind. Like it's I'm I'm you know, I'm, I'm loving this, but also just, just the love practically, it makes me want to help and talk to other people. Again, it's not just walking up to strangers and just saying like, you need to repent and believe it's just, it's loving people. Like, how are you doing? Like, are you like, what are you going through? What can we help with? Like, this is what helped me, you know, one John four nineteen. we love because he first loved us. Mm. And I think, you, you know, you, 
bathed in the gospel and then it will just you'll see your life change you'll see yourself go out more and more you'll see yourself growing confidence as you see the god who died for you so too will you start to live for him mm, bless so. you thank you for sharing that yeah and then charlie what would be the next step that you encourage people to take i totally agree with james <laughs> all of that but my my answer is so so different it's not particularly spiritual i would just say um every day make a decision to stop once just stop once and when you stop wherever you might be whether you're on the tube whether you're at work whether you're on the school run where even if you're at home looking out your window stop and look about for that one person that you can pray for or do something for yeah thank yeah. you I, th so. I think mine would be connected to that and just recognize there is never a perfect time mm. um i think in the busyness of life we can think oh what I really need is X amount of time to, to do this or it will be perfect when I can go here. And, you know, just the other day having to say to Rachel, let's just go right now. I know we've got the dinner on, but let's just go right now and say hello to our neighbours. Mm. And we did. We had a fantastic mm. conversation, able to share something of the love of Christ. But it wasn't a perfect time, but that time was never going to come. Mm. And so just taking the moment that God gives you, which seems a bit similar yeah. to stopping so what, yeah, what can yeah. I do now? Thank you so much for joining this edition. It's been a real, real blast. And join us next time where we'll be hearing some more tips on how we can intentionally share Jesus in conversations with others. See you next time. Thank you so much for joining us. We pray that you've been inspired to take your next step in building connections and sharing Jesus with those around you, especially people on the margins of society. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, why not subscribe and recommend this podcast to a friend? Visit our Everyday Evangelism Urban Mission Resource Hub at lcm.org.uk forward slash resources to find all the latest episodes, as well as a range of helpful tools to help you confidently share Jesus and connect with people on the margins of society. Follow London City Mission on social media to stay up with all the latest content. 